0: In today's episode, we examine the importance of retrospectives, how your teams can use them effectively, and some common pitfalls to avoid. You're listening to The Iteration Station. Hello all, and thank you for joining us on the Iteration Station for the maiden voyage. As we uh, get started, I'm your host, Jake Gosho, and I am joined by my co-host, Brett. Brett, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of what you do here and what your experience with Agile is.
1: Sure. So, I work in our organization, and I'm a release-trained engineer, which is a role inside the Scaled Agile framework. Uh, and we were at a point a little while back where we were doing Scrum and kind of had some Agile practices. But we work in a large organization, enterprise-level organization, so we needed to scale up. So um, we started looking at different ways to scale Agile, and we came up uh, with a scaled Agile framework as the direction we went ahead. And so the release train engineer is one of those roles in that. Um, So that's kind of what I do, is I'm a Scrum Master to the Scrum Masters here.
0: You know, I would say that you're the captain of the ship, to continue the analogy from before, but given that it's released train yeah, I, maybe, maybe more locomotive would be appropriate. Yeah, we're not very,
1: like, we, we struggle with having some consistency between our analogies because we're launching trains. That's a common term, but trains don't actually launch. So I don't know where that came from or what's why it, we say that. What's it called
0: when a train starts? It, we we leave it the de- station. It departs? Departs, yeah. It
1: departs the station. Sure, okay. But saying that we've <laughs> departed some trains.
0: To, <laughs> <laughs> no, not, that doesn't make a
1: lot of that sense. help us out. Uh, so what about you, Jake? What do you do here? So
0: I am one of our uh, development team managers. Um, I manage one of the t- teams that we have on, on the train that you are, release train engineering. Um, and so, you know, we're kind of figuring it out. I think this is our, uh, we're in, just starting our third uh, program increment and we're learning and growing as an organization and as a train through how SAFE will work. Um, and we kind of just wanted to share that journey and, and some of the experiences we had. As well as things we're learning and what we're finding important with uh, with our listeners, and hopefully some other people are uh, going through some similar stuff um, and and can kind of learn from from what we've been doing. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good perspective to have. Like that, that's the
1: context we're coming from. The Agile framework, we're coming from Scrum, but I think that a lot of things that we want to talk about are. Kind of core to Agile in general, sure. yep. and not specific to those <clears throat> frameworks. So there's going to be some nuggets for those frameworks specifically, but overall, I think our goal that we want to share um, is our experiences with with Agile development.
0: Yeah, and and I think a great example of that is is Episode One's theme, which is kind of about retrospectives and some kind of different parts of those. And we'll get into, you know, a few of the nuances. I don't know that we'll cover everything about retrospectives today, but uh, we'll we'll kind of talk about some of those things. And as I was kind of prepping for for today's episode and and looking into different retro things one thing that really resonated resonated with me was some of the common problems of of retros and if i mean if you would like to start there yeah, I'd, sure. I'd, yeah. I'd i'd like to so yeah <clears throat> so
1: like i'm very passionate about retrospective in general sure. i to me the retrospective is the most important scrum ceremony that you can have and really agile ceremony i don't even know if it's specific to scrum but any you have to apologize the construction going on (laughs) in our building right now um uh so the the agile retrospective to me uh the reason it's the most important ceremony is that's the time that you can step away from your work itself and take a look and see what what do we need to improve so that we as a team improve so we can do work better so it's not specific to the work and i think that's you mentioned some of the common pitfalls or, or issues with yeah, the retros. Yeah, I'll get into that in a bit too, yeah. Sure, yeah, well to me that's one of the big ones is uh, focusing on the work that you completed in a sprint and saying, well, we didn't get you know, story X completed because we ran out of resourcing here and then it kind of ends there. And you just talk about, sure. well, it didn't go well this sprint instead of saying, as a process and as a team, what, what could we be doing better and having actionable work coming out of that?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I should, mentioned too so before I, I became a manager here I was I was a scrum master one of our first scrum masters actually and and so I've you know I've started agile teams from people who had come from entirely waterfall backgrounds and <laughs> that could be kind of interesting to get that mindset shift of people who have been working in that framework for 15 20 years into agile and and getting the, just the ceremonies to happen and the engagement and specifically in retros one of the the common things that I saw um, really back then, especially with the newer teams, was like the perceived value of the retro itself. And what what you'd find is, I don't have, I'd have people say, you know, I don't have time to spend an hour, hour and a half in this retrospective meeting when I need to be doing this work to get it done. And, you know, I've always thought if if you would think you don't have enough time for an hour long to look back at how things you can do better, you definitely don't have enough time to skip this meeting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like if you have a race car and you pull into the pit,
1: like you want to make sure that you're taking care of the car, and the car is taken care of. Uh, but the retrospective is what happens outside the race. It's improving the car so that you can win the future races because everybody else is improving. And so, if you're not taking the time to improve the car, then just maintenance isn't gonna isn't gonna get you to win races down the road.
0: Right. Well, I, sure. I was trying to think of a train analogy. and Yeah, that's probably... It. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the race cars yeah, we need so good we, with that,
1: too. No one says
0: we need faster trains. You never no, hear no, that. No, you either. don't hear that very often. Huh. They're, they're working on that. Probably Musk is working on that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was a big one. It's just that perceived value. And I think, you know, one way for, for teams and for scrum masters to understand that is, is to... It kind of takes over time, right, to demonstrate. Hey, here's what we've done in the past and how we've improved going forward. And look at these things that were a problem six months ago that aren't anymore. And um, you know, the only way you actually learn from the past is by taking time to evaluate the past and, and learn from that experience. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really good point. And that evaluation step is critical. And
1: I think a lot of times we don't have a strong uh, a strong way to evaluate that, especially in agile. There's not a huge emphasis on metrics and reporting and things like that. So it's very team centric. And so as a team, you need to figure out what is the value that we're delivering? How do we track that so that we can say like, oh, did we? Velocity is a really common and easy to measure metric. And so if you have a drop in velocity as in a retro, that should come up and say, like, why did our velocity drop off? And is there a reason? What can we do to prevent that in the future? Sure. But as a team, building up those metrics. And again, the retro is a great place to think about, like, what metrics should we be tracking? And as a team, what do we care about? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I <laughs> I'm just I, I, just think back of just the different teams I've been on and long stretches of time where the retro was you walk in, you say what went well, you list five things. What didn't go well, you list five things. And what needs to be improved or, or what are we going to do to improve it? And you list two or three things. And when you do that exact cadence every two weeks for Months or years, you you find another common problem, which is that just the actual engagement and the amount that your team cares about that retro, it just nobody it just goes away. I mean, you you know you just you're going through the motions, and you know often at this point, maybe you're talking about action items, but nobody's getting assigned or they're not happening. Yeah, Uh, and you can run into too where every two weeks we talk about the same issues and we don't ever take any steps to getting that stuff done. Yeah. Um, and that can be a tricky rut to kind of get out of. Yeah. You know? as a Scrum Master, you really have
1: to look at, um, I mean, it's, it's the whole team's responsibility, but the Scrum Master specifically, you need to say like, do we have actionable work coming out of here? Are action items something that we can actually influence? Because, I mean, I can't tell you how many retros I've been in where action items are like, well, we need management to do X. Well, that's not something that we can work on. I mean, we can ask for that, but and we can track it, but it's not something that our team can actually sure. work on and track to. So it's the team's responsibility and the, and the Scrum Master facilitating that to say, what is the work that our team can do that will actually create meaningful change right. on
0: the team? Right, and, and I mean, one of the ways to kind of help with the engagement too, and, and we've seen some success with um, my Scrum Master on our team right now, is just kind of mixing up the format so sure. you're not doing, you know, the same thing every two weeks and that kind of just helps it basically it forces people to wake up a little bit and, yeah. and figure out what the meeting is about versus, you know, go in and do some silent reflection more or less yeah. uh, which can, you know, really kind of kill the the mood. I, I, to me, the retro should be kind of an exciting event where you're figuring out, "Hey, what are we going to make not suck next week?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's um, I think changing up the format can kind of help with some of that. Yeah, I was
1: just uh, going back and revisiting uh, the book Scrum, The Art of Doing Twice the Work in Half the Time by Jeff Sutherland, and it was interesting, the chapter that I was reading this morning was talking about happiness and how happiness is uh, more of a predictor of how much you'll accomplish than, than any other metric that we've found so sure. far. So your previous velocity and all that stuff uh, pales in comparison when you track your happiness. Yeah. And. Um, he was saying to drive happiness, to drive that trust, teams have to have the ability to improve uh, their workplace and the, and the way that they do work, and retros are the way that you do that. So the retros, that's what drives your own employee engagement, uh, it, it drives your satisfaction, how much you like your work, and so uh, he had, you want me to share the technique that he
0: used? I do want awesome. you to. Awesome, <laughs> okay, so. That, that, you know what, Brett, that would make me happy.
1: Oh, perfect, <laughs> that is my goal, is to make you happy, and then now we enjoy our jobs that's even more. That's right. Um, so it's it's four questions. It's on a scale from one to five, how do you feel about your role within the company? On a scale from one to five, how do you feel about the company as a whole? Why do you feel that way? And then what's one thing that would make you happier in the next sprint? And so everybody on the team answers those questions, and then you kind of have a conversation around the one thing that will make you happier in your next sprint, and then that's the thing that you tackle. And so, giving the, so tackling that one thing will make you happier by definition but even more so than that the team having the ability to make those changes is
0: empowering so you're just doing this at the team level then at a a retro
1: yep okay yeah and that's one thing that's like especially in a large organization sometimes you have to refocus a little bit and say what's within our sphere of control and what can we actually influence because if you if all you do is complain about things that aren't working in the organization that you're not empowered to actually change then it's actually going to be demotivating yeah
0: i'm I'm glad you bring that up too because that is I mean that that happens sometimes well this process just sucks you know or you know right, we just can't do right. this yeah. for whatever reason or, oh that'll always take 2 months uh, and and something I read that I thought was was interesting too was People are, are more excited and happier to get, you know, small incremental change. If, if, even if you just fix the most minor thing in one sprint, that's better than, you know, complaining about the bigger issue and, and ultimately not being empowered to fix anything. Yeah. Um, so oftentimes, I mean, you, you know, you ask a p- question like that of what would make you, you know, you know, I forget what it was, what would make you, you know, happier at the organization. Yeah. You might not be able to fix all those problems but maybe there's one or two things that we can say let's let's just start chipping away at this and yeah. kind of make our world a little nicer.
1: Yeah, exactly. Even if you say like, you know, there's something in some other department that's really messing up our department. Yeah. Okay, well what's the smallest thing we can sure. do that's going to change that? Yeah. I don't know, maybe a communication can go out earlier or something like that Right. Or we right. have daily check-ins or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting stuff, and it's actually because the the next the next common problem I was going to talk about, and this I haven't experienced a lot of this, but uh, emotions kind of creeping into a retrospective. Yeah, um, you know sometimes you can get that if something really frustrating happened, or if everyone knows it but nobody really wants to talk about it. If some one person dropped the ball on something that kind of screwed up the whole sprint. Yeah, um, and I, you know, that's a tough one to deal with, especially if you have some outspoken people who aren't afraid to to you know stir the pot a little bit sure yeah no i think that's good i I think yeah i i think as as a scrum master or as you know some anybody really in the team if you think that it's a little tense going into a retrospective maybe try to anticipate some of that especially if you think it's going to be negative energy yeah for sure and kind of just help set the stage early on to say hey look we know we ran into these challenges I want to stay positive and focus on the the ways that we can avoid this in the future and how we can kind of remedy it because you don't want to, you know, get down to a shouting match and finger pointing and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Your goal is to build your team
1: up and act as a team. And so anytime you're pointing out individuals, you have to remember that like that individual is contributing to your team. So as a team, we should be rallying around each other, keeping each other accountable and helping our team perform better. And so it's not, it's not anybody's fault. It's our team's fault if something didn't go well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. But, yeah, I think sometimes you mentioned bringing emotion into it. I think sometimes we're kind of told and trained. We hold on this pedestal of being emotionless and not bringing our emotion into things. But I think that a lot of times, like, our emotion drives the things. Like, I'll know what's important to somebody if they get emotional about it. And so that informs me about, like, somebody else's priorities. And I think that's good information to have. And we can – I think it's good to bring emotion into it, but just be cognizant of – how is this emotion affecting our decision making yeah. like that's the question is can we separate our emotion from our decision making it's good to be sure. emotional and bring passion to things um, but when that's driving decision making then
0: those are the red flags right right yeah that's, a, that's an interesting way to think about it too cuz i mean in a lot of ways the the scrum master is the one having the pulse on that right yeah, like they're absolutely. they're almost like the the brain of the body trying to control how everything's you know work coordinate how everything's working um, and just understanding the state of mind that the team is in is a really Im- important aspect of that, and that's that's a really good point. Uh, just the last common problem that I I kind of brought up and was was looking at, and this has happened to me on many occasions. Uh, as a, as a scrum master, maybe you pose a question or somebody just pose a question to the team, and it's met with just blank stares and silence, <laughs> and it gets really awkward. Yeah, <laughs> I, yep. I, I mean that can happen. Common, you know, yeah. if, if you've got if you've got something that especially if it's like kind of a point of contention nobody wants to touch it or they're afraid that you know if i say this it's going to piss off that person right i mean you can just get in really long (laughs) stretches of of awkward silence yeah 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 that can be really uncomfortable and
1: again that the underlying problem isn't whatever the question that was asked the underlying problem is trust on the team and if anybody on the team is feeling like they can't actually speak their opinion to its fullest extent then there's a trust issue that really needs to be addressed before any of the yeah. other retrospective outcomes will be yeah. useful at all. Um, and so one thing that I think is kind of helpful to kick things off, um, and this is a technique several of our Scrum Masters started using recently, uh, they, some of them will write a word down on a piece of paper or the goal is everybody on the team has to come up with one word that describes the sprint and they're not allowed to explain or anything like that, it's just one sure. word. And you just go around the circle and everybody has to say their word. And that caught, it forces everybody to engage. The yeah. people that are—I mean, we're developers, and so uh, there's a lot of introversion in our right. in our environment. So it forces everybody to come out a little bit and engage a little bit. Whereas sometimes it's easy to just sit back and let
0: the let the room run its course. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that was actually something I thought of as as effective techniques is essentially forced participation, more <laughs> yeah. or less. Like, you know, it's not like a forced fun thing, but it's sure. it's we're in this meeting to, to achieve a purpose. Yeah. And one way of achieving that is to kind of mix it up and have everybody contribute. Yep. Um so yeah, that, that's a that's a really good way to do it.
1: Yeah, and it's cool. awkward at first, but like through that force <laughs> like it sounds weird to call it forced participation and hopefully you only need that in the beginning, but that will drive the initial conversations, right. and then that's
0: what builds trust. Well, and it's a lot less awkward than sitting and waiting for someone to answer, and <laughs> yeah. then the person who posed the question says, I can wait forever. Like, what, <laughs> yeah, is there exactly. anything that can make it worse than that? Right. People are already uncomfortable yeah. just like pressuring them into a more yeah, awkward Yeah, just spot. reminding you that we're not going to leave this
1: room until <laughs> You'll we say something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: I will force this. Uh, so,
1: yeah, no, I think that's good.
0: Yeah, so I, I mean, those are just some of the common problems that I've run into uh, specifically. And, and I kind of saw those echoed a little bit in, in some of the stuff I was reading. Um, what I mean? What about you? Anything you'd, you'd add to that? Or? Yeah, I think I think those are the big ones. I think um, one of them
1: that we kind of danced around a little bit, we touched on a little bit, uh, is just it becoming a complaint session. Yeah. And this is just my yep. time to vent as a team, and then the team can kind of feed into each other, uh, and it's just this endless downward spiral right. of this sprint sucks. we you know we can't change this. We can't do that. Management says this, and. And it's a really negative experience. And as a Scrum Master, hopefully the Scrum Master well the team, again, anytime I say Scrum Master, really it's the responsibility it's team, of the yeah. team, but the Scrum Master has the sole response. Like this is what their job is. Sure. Is kind of gathering that that energy and redirecting it and saying, look, we're here to we're here to drive positive outcomes. And these are all valid complaints. You're upset for a reason, but what can we do? What can we change, and how can we make this better?
0: Right. Because uh, that negativity drive. just breeds more negativity, yeah, right? Yeah, You'll lose control of that meeting room real quick. Yeah. Yep. And, th- and that'll happen after, you know, tense situations, yeah. whatever mm-hmm. they be, organization-wide or just at the team level. Yeah.
1: The worst the worst that I've seen that is when the Scrum Master is the one that instigates yeah. <laughs> it. And they actually start it, and yeah. they're yeah. like, well, yeah. we <laughs> suck to this time, guys, and here's why. It's not our fault. Or, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or, I mean, if you have maybe it's a a scrum or it could be anyone on the team that is maybe not as not as familiar with kind of what agile is all about saying well our velocity was 20 percent of what it normally is i guess we screwed something up Like those types of comments are just not not helpful you know they don't they don't embody the spirit of the retro which is to to come out the other end with some ideas and some changes to to make things better yep
1: even that one though there's you can like it's a very negative comment but there's even still a hint of ownership in there and there's a hint of what can we do better like And so those are the glimmers of hope. It's the ones that really get me are the like, there was nothing we could have done about this. And it, like, we're at the mercy
0: of whoever. XYZ person exactly. legal yeah. is you know, holding us up. We have no chance. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that, I, yeah, I agree. Interesting, good. Cool, Any, anything else you want to talk about over retros in, in this podcast? I mean, you know, we certainly didn't cover everything. No, but, I mean, there's, uh, it's such a broad topic. Right. We could
1: probably have a podcast just on retros itself. Because, again, I believe they're the most important (laughs) scrum ceremony. Like, this is just, I can't stress it enough, this is what makes a team perform better. And if your teams are performing better, then your organization performs better. Uh, To me, retros are just, they are the the bread and butter of Agile.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, it was important enough that we wanted to make Something about retros for our first episode. That's right. You know, the inaugural episode. The, the maiden voyage. Yes. Sticking right. the ship analogy. The ship. The, the, right. departure. The, the departure. <laughs> <of> the departure. <laughs> so, uh, the departure <laughs> episode. The arrival? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. know. So, I don't,
1: You're the conductor. Well, yeah. I don't know what trains do. I'm unqualified for so <laughs>
0: the train part. Well, yeah. Thank, thank God we get at the helm then. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any Anything else that, that we want to cover today? I think that kind of wraps it up. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us uh, on on this week's episode. And uh, we look forward to uh, having you back as we kind of work our way through this journey and explore other topics and and other facets of of Agile and, and Scrum and Safe and whatever comes next for us.